about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. Welcome back to the Four Horsemen Podcast. I'm switching the intro up every now and then. I'm Dylan, joined by both Steve and P-Wagon here. It's the what biggest up, week up? of the year. It feels like it's not the biggest week of the year. We'll get into that in a moment. But it is officially game week. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish are taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide in the Rose Bowl, the college football semifinal that's being held in Arlington. Whatever, it's 2020. Um, What are your guys' first thoughts? No game should ever be played in that terrible, terrible stadium out in Pasadena. They should just knock it down. Nothing good has ever play, been played in the Rose Bowl. Uh, there we go. I'm glad it's in, in Dallas uh, or Arlington, whatever. Uh, I've been saying that there's no such thing as ghost or ain't no ghost. And on Friday, we can vanquish two. We can vanquish the 30-3 to three loss and the 2012 loss all in one fell swoop. That's true. We can exercise some demons, that's for sure. Yeah, um, it it doesn't feel like like what it was last year, doesn't it? It it definitely. I, I don't know. I, I have more of a calmer demeanor this week. Um, but yeah, all all things considered, I I think it's. <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's a very weird feeling. It, it's almost a, a, a sense of you kind of. I don't know. I I don't know where my brain is going. It's all over the place, as we know. It's just it's hard to kind of uh, latch onto one particular feeling heading into this weekend. You're but, you're right in saying that it doesn't feel like the bowl season. The first bowl I watched was Liberty Coastal, and that was last night. It, that was electric. It was a great game. It doesn't feel like bowl season. It it's weird. The year is weird. I'm hearing that I was going to cancel their bowl game because of COVID concerns with Missouri. Uh, it, it just doesn't feel like like it's the end of the year. I used to love bowl season. Every game I would watch, and I would bet on every game. But now it's just like, eh, whatever, it's football. And I don't know if Clemson just yeah life syndrome me into this, but... It, it could be, too, that, you know, half the teams have losing records, and the bowl season started right after the conference title, which usually there's a week in between. Right. It just doesn't feel magical and uh, that could be clemson's fault um but that, that that game last night was absolutely electric between liberty and and coastal carolina um basically take the points is what i've learned we saw that in two games also if anyone watched the nfl game last night the raiders and the dolphins same thing go for the touchdown don't worry about the time um i i'm I've observed something with Notre Dame, and I don't think it's anything I've ever seen before. And what I mean by this is, let's say three weeks ago, before we played Clemson, if you would have told Notre Dame fans that, look, guaranteed for certain in your future, you are going to be playing Alabama, Notre Dame fans would be pretty up for it. I think we would, and and I think college football fans in general, would have expected this to be a close game, the line maybe about six, 
Um, and I think a lot of people, and we'll confirm this with our guest later, that Alabama and Notre, Notre Dame would be a tough matchup for Alabama if you asked this question three weeks ago. That could have been the nightmare scenario for the Crimson Tide. After one single game against Clemson, it has been so deflating and so demoralizing that it feels like none of us really want to play this game. And I know you guys are the optimists, but it feels like, I mean, the line went to 17 and a half. Nobody expects us to have a shot. Everyone's saying this is a blowout. And if you asked this three weeks earlier, I think people would have said this was a close game. And I've never experienced that as a Notre Dame fan where just one game has completely changed the tune of the entire season. Because half of our fan base are a bunch of... Let's start that one again, Nick. You can keep that in. Half of our fan base are a bunch of pussies. And they don't want to play a game where they think they're going to lose. There's so much on, on Twitter. on Facebook is it's just a hellhole right now. Where everyone is uh, a chicken little. And the worst part about it is they lose all faith. It was one game that our offense couldn't produce. Yeah, everyone has a bad game. And the fan base, all I, I guess it's not winning in a big bowl game. I mean, the Camping World Bowl is great. The whatever we beat LSU and Citrus Bowl is great. But you're not winning in the big bowl. It's a, it's a pattern there. And I, I think NDs don't win every game they play. doesn't matter what game it is. But... Everyone who's already quitting on the team, they're going to watch the game, and I don't want to see them celebrate after we win. It's it's ridiculous. That's all I got there. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree. So yeah. I, I think that a lot of people are, are basically chalking this up as a loss, and they're just you know thinking, hey, let's at least make this a three-score a three game or less. I, I mean, I, I, as I've stated clearly in, in – no uncertain terms before. If you think that way, then I don't understand why you're a fan. Uh, there is there is being a realist, but there's also understanding. You know what we've been building for for a decade now, uh, and, and we're actually going to kind of get into that a little bit later as some foreshadowing. But you know this is at a peak of of where Notre Dame has been. Uh, we've we've gone through the numbers. I mean, what what do we have over the past four or five years or so? We've been to the playoff two times we've had a handful of 10 win seasons we've been fantastic uh there's just been some shortcomings in certain aspects of the game whether it's you know the cornerbacks one year or the defensive line one year or the wide receivers another year so yeah it's always like one unit is never quite there um and and so that's where we've fallen short historically but damn we're still a great freaking program we're still an elite program we're still in the top five I, I think I think there's an excellent case to be made, and I think that we belong on the field with Alabama. I think we have a chance to win this game. Um, it's just a matter of playing perfectly and executing perfectly, both on the field and also the coaching staff, uh, which is, I think, where we honestly, where we fell short against Clemson. So that's that's my thoughts on the matter. I, I don't think it was. Yeah, I think. I think we're elite, but I think the argument goes is that Alabama and Clemson are in a different level of elite. Like there's the Oklahoma, Georgia, Notre Dame, Ohio State category where, uh, I mean, we've seen it. We played Georgia twice in two close games uh, where we're elite teams that make the playoff. But when it comes to Alabama or Clemson, it's just not quite the same. 
and and I get where the fear comes from, but you know, I think what this fan base struggles from, and it's like this in a lot of sports with commentary and people in the media, there's this kind of like fallacy where if you are overly negative, it comes off as neutral or unbiased, and that is absolute dog shit, right? We market ourselves as a biased podcast, but for the most part, we could have an objective conversation. You can take the optimistic approach and uh, and still be, you know, as neutral as possible, being overly negative as a substitute for neutrality, I think, is is something that plagues sports commentary. And it's something that you see a lot with Notre Dame fans. And and you're right, P, like, we'll get into predictions later. But there's a difference between thinking, you know, we might not win this game and then saying, I don't want to play this game. And you saw a lot of that right after the Clemson in our Twitter mentions, right? It, there was a lot of people saying, let's just go to the Orange Bowl and beat some other team. And uh, and finally get that you know New Year's Six bowl game demon out of our way, which I always hate that stat because it means nothing. You know I don't care if we haven't won a major bowl game in 30 years. I want to win a national championship, and I will take losing a semifinal over winning an Orange Bowl every day. And uh, and that is that weak chicken shit mentality that you've talked about that a lot of our fans tend to have. But there is something to be said right now about Clemson. Ex- Exposing some of our weaknesses and going into that Alabama matchup with with those weaknesses shown. It's the weaknesses that we've seen all year. Djokovic exposed them. Uh, Hal or whatever his name is from uh, Carolina exposed them. DJ Undrelele exposed them. We know the corners and safeties. Our defensive bats are our weak point. It's not, hey, surprise, guys. Our offensive line had a shit game. Yes, that that's a fact right there. They weren't great. But we're not surprised. Other than the offensive line giving up the sats to Book and Book having happy feet, which we've known about all year, nothing's a surprise there. So it, it's one of those things where you can be upset that they lost to Clemson. Conference championships are stupid. But at the same time, build on that. I think Dabo kind of held off the dogs in the second half and said, hey, if they have a better better loss than A&M does, they're into the championship. So I think Dabo was an ACC homer there, a little conspiracy. But I did some research. Not usually a research guy, more of a feelings guy. I'm going to read some names here, and you tell me what they all have in common. Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Florida State, Auburn, Oregon, LSU. And Michigan State and Washington. Those are all playoff teams. Nope. All the teams I said above were the national championship contenders since 2010. The other four teams only had one bid. So these were multiple national championship contenders since 2010. That's a pretty elite company to be in. I know it's only was three, and Alabama and Clemson have nine and six out of 11 years. But going to national championships hard. Winning is hard. That's why I got there. We're elite. Yeah, uh, I don't think anyone could really object to it too much. Um, and I like your point that uh, we knew our corners were the weaknesses for weeks now. Um, but that's what frightens me with Alabama, right, is uh, their strength is throwing the ball down the field, 
And our weakness is defending the pass down the field, and that that's really terrifying. But if you don't think Notre Dame has a shot to win this game, don't watch it. Like, just leave. Don't watch college football anymore. I mean, w- of course we have a shot. I mean, it, you're acting like we are not one of the top four teams in the country when we know we are, right? We we know for a fact we would decimate any other team outside the college football mm-hmm. playoff. We've known that for weeks now, right? Texas A&M is an absolute joke, and I know North Carolina is going to expose them, right? That's That's what I think. But... You know, anyone can beat anyone, especially when you're a top four team, right? We've seen Alabama lose games before to non-top four teams. Of course we have a shot. Anyway, Steve, I'll let you get in before I get a rant. Yeah, just to expound upon that, uh, it's just I was having this conversation with uh, family around the dinner table around Christmas Saying and people are saying, well, Notre Dame, you know, they they kind of uh, got got it handed to them pretty much, you know, against Clemson. Which, by the way, people forget we like we literally should have been winning that game ten to nothing. I don't understand. Like, if you are just going by the box score, doesn't look good. If you actually watch the game, you know Notre Dame had a fucking chance. If you watch the fucking game, you know Notre Dame had a chance. It was just poor execution and piss poor freaking play calls. It was terrible. Regardless of that, name another one-loss team in the United States of America right now that has a better resume than a Notre Dame Fighting Irish that should overtake Notre Dame to be that number four spot. It's not Texas A&M. Florida's eliminated. Oklahoma's eliminated. Iowa State the fuck out of here like there's i am sorry that everybody else didn't live up to their expectations they didn't play their schedule the appropriate way they didn't manage their shit we did yeah we had a tough loss put input any other team they would have experienced the same fucking thing probably worse i'm so sick of this and sorry, I, I had to get that in no you're you're totally right because then you you look at this other the arguments, no, either Notre Dame analyst air quotes there, or anti Notre Dame fans are making, and they say, "Oh, they had a tough time against Dracovic. They had a tough time against Syracuse." No, look at the box scores. As long as the team in blue and gold, or sometimes white and gold, has more points than the other team on the other side of the field does, it's a win. It's a quality win. I don't give a shit about the strength of schedule. It's it's a ridiculous statement. And we'll, we can talk about it going back to Independent next year and what that means for the schedule after they win the national championship on January 11th. That's cool. But it's just it, it's mind-blowing that people say, oh, they didn't play anybody, when they wanted us in a conference, and we went to a conference, and we were second place in the conference. Yeah, it'll it'll forever bother me that we didn't win the conference in our one year in one, uh, especially because we could have burned down the entire conference system if we did. But, you know, we're talking about top four teams. I'll add another team in there. I still think we beat Ohio State. Yeah, I think we'll beat Ohio State any day of the week. And uh, and that is why I'm extremely happy we're playing before the Clemson Ohio State game. The, the Rose Bowl's on first. And that's because I can know what I want to cheer for based on the results of our game, right? Because I don't like Ohio State, and I don't like Alabama. Yeah. So if we lose, which, you know, hopefully we don't, I want Clemson to win the national championship. And yep. especially because it'll give us, like, a, you know, we beat the national champion. If we win, 
I am a Buckeyes fan for that Sugar Bowl because oh. I think we beat Ohio State any day. If Northwestern held them to 22 points, Notre Dame is going to really, really hurt them. But that's what I think Clemson is going to do, ultimately. Yeah, I agree. Spot on. 100% correct. But, but you know, can I, we're can the I ones just, who are overrated. I want this on paper. I want this where anyone can see this. Clip this, Dylan. We started this podcast three years ago. Two out of the three years, we've been in a college football playoff. Correlation is sometimes correct. I'm just saying. And we've won 10 games every single year that this podcast has been in existence. I'm just saying, you're welcome. Maybe maybe all we needed was a little positivity over the fan base, because that's something I think we're sorely lacking. Um, and it's something that I'm trying to to keep going into this bowl game and i think that should be our cue to get into the semifinal. we're here baby we are one of four or five other teams who've made multiple appearances in the college football playoff and we're playing the best team in college football right now so alabama is really really good you do not need any kind of expert analysis to tell you that what i want to talk about with you guys is how are we going to win this game? How is it possible for Notre Dame to overcome the odds, great or small, and beat the Crimson Tide? So, you know, Coach Wagon, I'll let you get there first because, you know, you're the best at doing the film analysis and you understand the game, I think, better than anyone. So I will do a film breakdown of Alabama. I'm working on some some things behind the scenes right now to try to get the actual All-22. Uh, but... I'm looking at the depth chart because I'm going to answer this with some research. This is very unbecoming of me to do research for a podcast. Uh, probably shouldn't have said that out loud. But the offense is Skoranek. I'm just going to go receivers. Skoranek, Davis, McKinley. Uh, and then our second team are Armstrong and Wilkins. And then you have uh, Tremble, Mayer. Uh, and Brock Wright as our tight ends. So what that's telling me, they're not going to try to reinvent the the wheel with bringing Lindsey in. They're not going to try to blow the top off of Alabama, which Florida showed that they could do. But they're looking at ball possession. Before I get into that, Lindsey not being in the lineup, there's a reason players aren't in the lineup. He's either too injured. He had a hamstring. Yeah, he's got a soft tissue thing. When you're fast, which I've never been, a hamstring, Steve has been fast. Very. When you have a, a hamstring or any lower body injury, that affects your mechanics. So they're leaving him off the roster for a reason. We got four years with him. So with Skoranek and the crew I mentioned, I could see a lot of Quick passes, timing routes that are going to be quick hitters, three-step drop. With their defense, they have playmakers, and you can't go to a five- or seven-step drop and expect Ian Book to make a play. You have to do a one-two-three throw, or one-two-three Ian start running for your life and be Ian Book, be the number nine Heisman finalist. That's what I think is going to win the game. It's not running the ball on every single down. It's throwing the ball 
to big body receivers who can catch the ball. And then when you get inside the red zone, maybe you run it with your angry running back, Sebo Flemister, who will literally rip the head off of someone if he needs to. Maybe you pound the rock a little bit when you need to, but establish the run, then hit or establish a pass. I'm sorry, establish a pass, then hit him with the run. And that's why yes. things are going to do. They have to. Yeah. They, they, they don't have a choice. But yeah, I, I, Dylan, I fully I'll, agree with you. I'll let you go in just a second. I just wanted to extrapolate on the perspective injury on Braden Lindsay slash talk myself up because I'm just reliving my glory days because I'm going through an existential crisis. That's neither here nor there. Um, my sophomore year in track, I tore every fucking everything in my, my right hamstring. And that was like the second practice of the year. And I was done for the whole year, like a four month season. I couldn't come back. <clears throat> uh, I was finally able to get back to running at the end of four months, but like I, not at the speed I could. I couldn't like turning the banks. I couldn't do. I was only doing straightaways. By the time I, you know, I recovered from my junior year, I got into my senior year, ran a 10, 700 meter dash, finished eighth in the state. Not a big deal, but <clears throat> you know, it's, it's hard coming back from a soft tissue injury. So, you know, I, but I still think there's ways for us to get speedsters out in the field to play dylan i i defer to you now yeah you, p you said two things i really want to touch on um that I was gonna make a point together so we talked about ball control time of possession and you talked about wanting to throw the ball and uh, i think all of us agree here that to win this game we're gonna have to throw the ball i wonder if there is a balance and a harmony between throwing the ball and actually chewing up clock. And maybe that is our sweet zone. And this is what I'm potentially hoping that Kelly and Reese do, is what you could use Ian Book on eight-yard passes all day and then pound the rock on second and third and short to continue drives, to eat up clock. And I wonder if that's maybe the game plan is to, because we know Ian Book doesn't like to test the ball down the field, but to eat up soft coverage all day, to run on short downs, and to have both an effective offense that scores every drive while limiting what Alabama can do with their time. Because usually those things are compatible. You don't think of pass-first offense and eating the ball or eating the clock, but I wonder if that's maybe Notre Dame's best shot at winning this game is having that pass-first offense but just murdering the clock, right? You're throwing for short downs, uh, running the ball when you need to, and like you said, uh, throwing the ball to set up the run, right? I want to see runs on second and one and, and third and one. And I think we need to avoid third down altogether, to be honest with you, because that was oh, the difference between the first Clemson game and the second Clemson game was heroics from Ian Book and no heroics. And you see the difference. So let's avoid third down altogether. But that's what I wonder if that's what we're going to do, if that's the game plan. Do you guys think that might be the best approach for this fighting Irish team? Yeah. And and to, to go off on your point and to prove your point correct, that's definitely within the field of play against an elite def uh, opponent because we did it against Clemson, both in the first game, but more so in, to your point, even in the second game. Our first drive was 11 plays. We only went 46 yards in those 11 plays and then ended up kicking a, a short chip uh, actually it was a pretty long field goal if i remember it was like the 52 yarder but you know 46 plays 46 yards on 11 plays and it took six minutes and 44 seconds 
Yep. Then the first quarter, second drive. We got yeah. We got down to the the goal line and ended up missing the field goal. But our second drive was seven plays, fifty six yards. Now, what were they doing on those two particular drives to start the game? They were throwing Passing to Michael Mayer for about ten yards every play. Michael Mayer, Ben Skoranek had a really big catch and run on a third down. Nonetheless, I'm pretty sure. Like so, in college is a thirty five minute play, a thirty five second play clock. Throw that into the next next year's clip for the the <laughs> for the screw ups. Um, it's a thirty five second play clock in college. We can pass the ball on first down, get seven yards, take thirty two seconds. You know, get on get on the line, get ready, take all the time in the that you need. Read the defense, throw the ball again, get a first down. And then, like, you just keep going and keep going. You just have to keep – if you move the chains, you have possession. I mean, you move the chains by passing the ball. And then as – you know, when they back guys into coverage, when they bring in nickel, that's when you, you run the ball. It's like I – how – Tommy, I know you're listening. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, program. you're one of my favorite quarterbacks in, in Notre Dame history. I love Tommy Reese. I know he had plenty of critics out there, but he was a damn good quarterback, and he's a brilliant mind. And I just – they have to see what they were trying was was failing, and they absolutely need to pass early and often to open up the run game. That's the, that's the only conceivable way because this honestly is probably going to be a race to 40. I a hundred percent agree with you. I was just about to say that um, forty to me is the magic number for this game. Um, so what I think we should do now in, in the remaining part before we get our our esteemed guest on is I think we should talk about just quickly keys to victory and what our predictions are. But P, I know you've been working on something over there, so I'm going to let you jump in if you're ready. Yeah. So I was crunching the numbers while while we were talking and I looked at Alabama's uh, how many yards they gave up against the competition, the opponent. Uh, and first of all, they played pretty much a stroll of the blind towards the end of the season. Uh, so the blind probably could play better than Arkansas did with their opponents. Kyle, Tra- I'm going to start Florida and then go back. Kyle Trask threw for 408 yards. Okay, Kyle Trask, 408 yards, three touchdowns. LSU, 254 yards. Auburn, 227. Georgia, 269. Nice. Ole Miss, he here. Ole Miss, 365 yards. Texas A&M with Kellen Mond, who is a uh, poverty quarterback compared to Ian Book, 318. And Mizzou threw for 253 with two quarterbacks. The only... The teams that didn't throw over 200 yards were Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky, uh, and Arkansas. So this might be a hot take. Use it for bulletin board material all you want. I don't think Alabama has very good secondary. I think they are susceptible, susceptible to the pass. And looking at these numbers, if you look at the scores of the games— they're not indicative of how many yards were given up. So a key to victory, I would say, would be driving the ball, throwing, playing basketball almost. So you run a little in route and you sit, or even sit routes, and you just play basketball and box out the corner. Do that. Have Skoran and just sit and catch balls, mire catch balls all day. Just go down the field. If you look at the games that I just mentioned, 
Texas A&M, 5224. Ole Miss, 6348. Georgia, 4124. I'm not going to go into the rest of the games. If our defense can at least hold them to field goals or takeaways or even punt, we stole the best punter out of Alabama, and they don't have a good punter, and they don't have good corners. We need to throw the ball. We can throw the ball. I wouldn't be surprised if Ian Book has a game and he throws for over 350 yards. If everything is planned, Tommy, throw the ball. It doesn't have to be far. Five yards every single time. I I will say in in Alabama's defense, they do have one corner who's supposed to be drafted quite highly in the first round, um, Sertan. Um, But yeah, for the most part, I agree with you there. The the secondary. Throw away from him. You can can even, if you want to talk scheme, if you run, let's just say, you're not going to run trips because that brings too many people to that side of the field, but you could run flood routes. Run flood routes with the tight end going the opposite way. Have Ian Book throw across his body. The flood route is going to take all the corners to the flood if they're playing man, and if they're playing zone, you're throwing underneath the zone anyway. There are so many freaking ways to beat Alabama. And I agree. To- and Kyron Williams, he ran for two thousand yards his senior year. He also caught a thousand yards. He, yeah, like, he's a he's a very viable and receiver. You have Chris Tyree going just off of that. Chris Tyree, you put him if you run either a double slot or even a trips concept, and then you motion Tyree over and run a little jet sweep, one of those little stupid pop passes that they have. There's ways to get out if you get us into space. It's one-on-one. We don't have bad players. It's not like we're taking the 1945 Notre Dame team who really, I just made up a year, they're an arbitrary year. We're not taking a random team off the street to play Alabama. They are a very good team. They have four- and five-star recruits. Do you know where I want to see Chris Tyree is like second and two on our own 45, and that's a touchdown. You know, it's just one of those plays where he'll break break loose and run for 50 yards. And yeah. uh, and I think that's where Tyree needs to be operated and is in situations to break outside the tackles. Even when um, Sparana okay, run Steve, a, a jet sweep. Why not, right? At this point, you need to be creative. You cannot... If I see us line up in, like, the I formation on the first play of the game, I'm just, I'm you, just shutting you, off the TV. Dylan, I'm, I'll fight you on that. Because the I formation, if you have... Let's just talk here. You line up our offensive line. You put Mayer and not Tremble at tight end. You throw Tremble at fullback, and you throw Sebo behind him. All right, good luck. Man on man, hat on the hat. Yeah, I don't mind that if we if we fake it to Mayer on, like, you know, Run a, a tight end route, opposite. but exactly. Yeah. All right, Steve, I want to stay on topic here because obviously we want to keep good time. Keys to victory, do you have anything off the top of your head? Yeah. um, The front seven has to get to the quarterback. Just focus. We all know what we need to do on on offense. We're all going to have similar takes because it's obvious. It's the obvious. It's, It's a race to 40, open up the field, get creative, throw early, throw often, control the clock to what you can, but you can control the clock by passing the ball. If Ian Book has 25 completions, we have an excellent chance in this game. 25 plus. Obviously, the the more the better. Defense, we have to get Mac Jones off his timing. We we can't give him four seconds to let 
insert you know Alabama wide receiver name here to get you know 20 30 yards downfield and and and, and truly we've been trying it lately and it, we've been getting burned against better competition we cannot have Sean Crawford with his back turns toward the quarterback in one-on-one coverage as a deep safety. He's been burned multiple times against Phil Djokovic and Boston College, <clears throat> against, uh, against obviously, Trevor Lawrence. Like, the, the game on defense, when you just, just let Kyle play center field, I, I, I understand Kyle is an excellent tackler, and he comes up and really makes a bunch of plays in the box. But... I think that you can get similar type production from Sean Crawford in the box or playing short safety and, and then you just let you just let Kyle fall back cuz if if we're going to get beat I don't want to get beat deep. I would rather see them run the ball with Najee Harris and, and just have little dink and dunk routes and beat us, you know, 35-28. I I would that, that's much more preferable than seeing one deep pass after another just land and land and land. I can't stand that. And in yeah. order for us to, to do that, we have to have Kyle deep, and we have to have our defensive line just keep cycling guys. Isaiah Foskey, you know, and anyone, anyone and everyone, just keep those guys fresh. Just just sprint towards the quarterback on every single play. And we did that in, in large part against DJ Ugungale. And because we were coming after the quarterback, we were filling the gaps and we were stopping Travis NTM. And and you know, Najee Harris is also a very fucking good running back, and we're gonna need to bottle him up too. So if we just plug the holes and just, you know, have six guys going going towards the, the quarterback at all times and just trusting our guys and trusting Kyle deep, I think that will go a long way in throwing some looks at this Alabama offense that they they've never seen because they haven't really played a fantastic defense all year. Okay. Um, real quick for me on offense, we have to keep up. That's the simple thing. We, we we've highlighted 40 is the magic number. We must keep pace with Alabama. And the way to do that is let book cook and avoid third down. To me, that's the big thing. Alabama's keys to victories are a lot easier, and that's why they're favored by 17.5 points. But that's the one big one. And to me, that's why we can win this game, because I highlight both of those as coaching errors. That's what we saw from the Clemson game, right? We did not trust Book, and we put ourselves into too many third downs. That's coaching. That is fixable. On defense, the other key to victory, slow them down. Um, Alabama's going to score. They're a very good team. They're going to score lots of points. Again, 40 is the number I'm aiming for. The way to do that is, and the one that terrifies me, and this isn't a coaching thing, explosiveness. We have to limit explosive plays because that is their strong suit and that is our weakness. That's what terrifies me. But if we can do that, if we can just hold them to an average deep ball team, we have a shot. And then again, we have to make tackles, I highlight, because we are not going to be, or we shouldn't be, stacking the box to stop the run. But we do need to make our tackles so, you know, Harris doesn't have a field day with us. And that's maybe me going back to that 2012-13 championship game where we were just not tackling anyone. They're all SEC center, who is an absolute dude, uh, is out, unfortunately. Uh, so You hate to see it. 
you, you honestly, I as a center myself, I hate to see good centers go down. Uh, centers are people too. Uh, but have fun with your second team center going up against a Kurt Heinisch or, you know, a uh, Blitzen Maris Leofu. Uh, yeah, have fun with that. Let's, uh, that's all I'm going to say there. Have fun with that, Mr. Second Team Center. And this is probably the biggest game he's starting in. I played in some p- pretty big games as a center. And if I was a playing for a national championship spot and I did, I had to come off the bench to play, I'm Nerf. lining as a coach. I'm lining my nose tackle up right on him. And I am just abusing him all day until he doesn't want to play center anymore. You have to make the center quit. You can force errors by lining a nose tackle up, which goes against our defensive philosophy. Maybe even use a one-tech if you have to. And just abuse the shit out of him all day. Fumble snaps are our friend. I'd like to point out in the Clemson preview, I said one of my concerns was uh, center and snapping. And that happened on the very first drive for us. Because you can't Um, have six foot seven center. Exactly. Um, Okay. Score predictions. Um... P wagon, you're the you're the chief. You're the champion of this Notre Dame is going to win movement. If you guys see anything from our Twitter account, it is definitely him. What do you got? Notre Dame forty nine, Alabama forty seven. Go Irish, fuck Bama. I love it, Steve. The Alabama Crimson Tide <clears throat> are going to score thirty eight points in this football game, and the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, based out of South Bend, Indiana which is located in the United States of America. Also, which is located on Earth, if you want to get real macro with it, are going to score 41 points, and we are going to win this game by three points. Let's go! I really hope you guys are right. Anyone who's seen the podcast account knows that the first time in my history of a human, I am picking against Notre Dame in this game. I think we can win. I want to make that clear. I think that... My performance on this podcast hopefully makes it clear that we can win. I just don't have faith in the coaching staff to do what is necessary on offense, so I'm going 42-31 Alabama. Oh. Uh, close game. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hope I'm wrong. I Take swear I do not want to be right on this one. I want you but that's what I think. After this. I will say this to make up for it, though. And we'll end our section of the podcast on this. Notre Dame and Alabama have played seven times in college football history. And these are the two most historic and successful programs with Notre Dame being number one, of course. Do you guys know what our record is against them? Six against and one. The sec- against the second best team of all time, six and one, P? Three and three? Or three and four, however many. I know we went four and oh in the 1970s. Steve, your memory is pretty good this time. We went five and two. Uh, you were right. We went four and oh in the first four between 1970 three and 1980 bear bryant has never beaten the fighting irish because he is a fraud um in those games we've played seven times three of them have been for the national championship for one of those two teams or both obviously 2012 which alabama won but 1973 the irish defeat alabama in the sugar bowl 24 23 and one of the greatest games ever played Notre Dame wins that championship. Alabama still claims it. So next time you see an Alabama fan, shame them for that. If they claim 73, we claim 2012. But the other one, <laughs> 1975, just two years later, because of the bowl system back then, Notre Dame is selected to go to the bowl against the number one team in the country, Alabama, in I believe it was the Orange Bowl. 
if Alabama wins, they are national champion, and the Irish beat them again, 13 to 11, costing Alabama a national championship. So we are two and one against the Crimson Tide when one of those teams have a chance to win a title, and uh, and hopefully history bodes well for us in this time. So with that being said, um, I'll be here for the next section. So you know, Pete, you want to give your sign off? Yeah, feels like '73, feels like 1988. Ain't no ghost. Bama are frauds. If you don't believe in the Irish, at me on Twitter, pwagon60. I'll assign you your laps. Go Irish, beat Bama. We're playing on January 12th, 11th. So now that we've subbed out P-Wagon, we've brought in a guest, a special guest, because obviously this is Alabama week. So we brought in an Alabama fan. And uh, so please welcome to the show, Vegas. Uh, we'll, we'll get you to plug your Twitter account out there. I mean, you're, you're pretty involved with college football Twitter. So welcome to the show. And uh, how are you today? Uh, doing really well. You know, the holidays were were good. Everything's going well. Obviously, excited about the game coming up. So, just just kind of looking forward to that. Thanks for having me on. I are, appreciate it. Are Are you excited? Because you guys are there every year. The semifinal must just be boring for you. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's still really exciting. I mean, you do kind of take it for granted a little bit, like you said, being there every year. But at the same time. Um, you know, with, with Nick getting up there in age and maybe he coaches another two years, maybe it's another 10, who knows. But I think that a lot of us have come around to the fact where we know that this can't last forever. So, you know, every time they, they make it, it's still, it's still really exciting because you don't know if it's going to be the last or close to the last. And, you know, with every new season coming in, um, you never really know how it's going to pan out. I just wanted to interject and say how much I appreciate how measured and humble that response was genuinely. I'm a, I, because I'm, I grew up in Rhode Island. I now live in Boston. Every single one of my friends is a Patriots fan. Obviously I just so happened through family lineage to be a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So growing up a Steelers fan in new England for 20 years of dominance has been insufferable. I've had to deal with just constant harassment and bullshit from Patriots fans. And they were just so, so cocky and then like this year i'm reveling in it because they got hit with what they just could never expect so the fact that you're retrospectively in the moment able to just say hey you know what this is wonderful but i enjoy year after year just wanted to say thank you very much and i appreciate that attitude (laughs) for sure (laughs) Um, i i live in new york city now and before that i spent some time in connecticut and i think being around the patriots fans and watching all of that developed probably helped a little bit with that mindset because I remember saying the same thing to them. Oh, you know, this can't last forever. This can't last forever. And looking around at, at my own fandom thinking, well, shit can't last forever. So yeah, I think that that's definitely played a part in it. Um, but it's, it's exciting. It really is. You know, every year you come into a new season with the pandemic and with a new quarterback, I mean, who knows last season, if Mac Jones is, is truly going to be great or not, maybe they lose two games. So it's it's definitely very, very cool to be around. Yeah, I, I I can't believe that this Alabama team is as good as they are because when you lose Tua and you had a big draft haul, you're thinking, okay, here we go. 
This is the year Alabama might start falling apart this year. They got a new quarterback. Who knows how highly rated he was? We can we can see someone in the SEC beating them. And then Mac Jones goes on to have one of the greatest quarterback campaigns, I think, in history, right up there with uh, with two, of course, and with Joe Burrow last year. And you guys are just as dominant as ever. And it's so frustrating, I think, as a college football fan, just to see how good and how long you guys have been at the top. Um, but 2018 is a big year for us because that's when we started the show. That's when we last made the playoff. And that's when you were on the show. So longtime listeners will remember Vegas from um, the bowl season episode and uh, we weren't playing you back then but uh, you know you knew P-Wagon and, and he got you on the show so we figured Alabama week time to get an Alabama fan on I'm sure some of our listeners who hate Alabama are kind of hoping you would not be as nice as you are and would have like a <laughs> thick accent and would just be a total total douche but you're so nice that it's going to be really hard to to like frame this as a hate um, but I'll let you just because we're not, we're football fans, but we're mostly Notre Dame fans, right? We don't follow every team religiously like, you know, you, you would of your own team. So let the listeners know, what's the deal with Alabama this year? How's your season gone? Where have you been good? Where have you been bad? And and just whatever. Um, Sure. I So to your point, I mean, who knew what what this season was going to be with losing so much talent? Um. I myself and a buddy of mine spent all last year going, you know, next year's the year. Next year's the year that they have the most talent that they're going to have for a long time. And it, it didn't seem to to be something that a lot of other people agreed with. And a lot of people didn't buy into Mac Jones as well, which was something that that probably played into that a lot. But um we did. I mean, you know, he's a guy that's been around for a while and we've seen him here and there. And so Coming into the season, um, you know, we expected explosive offense. Um, I don't think that anybody really knew that Mac Jones was going to have the the all time best QBR season in the history of college football. Um, you know, I expected him to to be a Heisman finalist. He is, but even with that said, um, I did not expect him to have the season that he's had. So, yeah, I mean, the offense is is wildly explosive. Um, you know, it, they've got Sark is the offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, who's been kind of up, down, and all over the place. Um, you know, he's he's had a lot of really good offenses. He had some struggles being the OC for the Atlanta Falcons, but he's really pieced together something just tremendous here. Uh, I mean, a lot of the stuff that he does, granted, he's got more talent than than about everybody else to work with, but still, I mean, the creativity, the, the, the skill that he gets out of Mac Jones is unbelievable. So uh, Alabama this year has just been unreal on offense. Um, they've struggled a lot defensively. I know that when people tend to think of Alabama, they think of, you know, Nick Saban's defense, but that really hasn't been the story this year. The story this year has been, they've got, depending on, you know, what metric you look at somewhere in the top three for offense, pretty much across the board. And the defense is, is just not that. I mean, it's not a bad defense, but they're, they're fine. They're going to have some really good games. They're going to have some games where the other team hangs 40, 45 on them. I mean, I think that that's just sort of what college football is now, right? You know, no matter how good your defense is, um, it's tough to, to show up week in and week out and just shut other teams down. The game's too spread out. And so that's kind of the story of Alabama. High-powered offense, um, you know, a quarterback that makes plays and doesn't make many mistakes, and a defense that is pretty up and down. You know, it, it's funny. It feels like Notre Dame is continuously trying to catch up with Alabama. 
like you were always setting the bar. And I think back to that 2012-13 game. Sorry, listeners, I didn't mean to trigger you. Um, of just the vast difference in power up front, running the, trenches, the ball, man. the trenches. And that's what Notre Dame is now. But by the time we caught up to you, you know, we could beat that 2012 Alabama team, I think. But by the time we finally caught up to you, you're here in 2020. And this is what I give Nick Saban or whoever's credited for this. You've moved into a pass-first explosive offense, which is what we've been begging to see at Notre Dame. And they have the personnel for it this year. And it's like, no, 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 we're stuck in 2012 because we got to exercise some demons and you guys are into the future with one of the best offenses in college football. And it's just so frustrating as a Notre Dame fan because, well, I mean, you guys are a traditional fan base too. I'm sure you like clinging on to the run, but you've seen how good the quarterbacks could be in the last three years, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I'm on my Twitter account every single game, just tweeting over and over, let Matt cook, let Matt cook, let Matt cook, because as good as the run game is and as great as the offensive line is and as much as Najee Harris is just a freak of a running back, it just doesn't matter. I mean, when your pass game is that explosive, you just got to throw the ball. I mean, Najee can run for eight yards of carry, but if you're throwing for 15, I mean, you got to pass more than you run. And I don't know who runs the, uh, the Notre Dame analytics account, but they're, they're pretty heavy on, listen, we got to start throwing the ball. And, and to your point, I think that, I think that bringing up that, that 2012 team that played Alabama is, is really important because a lot of people still think of Notre Dame as being what they were then. And I'm sure, I mean, obviously you guys don't, and most of your listeners probably don't, but it is important to recognize that that's not what Notre Dame is. Notre Dame is much stronger up front. They do have a better quarterback. They do have a better pass game. I mean, their trench game is just substantially better than it used to be. But, you know, going off of what you said, Nick Saban's best skill is is his growth and adaptability. He's not stuck to we're this and we're always going to be this. You know, he he won that 2012 championship doing what they did. But as the game has evolved, he's evolved. And so they're strong in the trenches, but they've built around that. They've built a pass game. And so, you know, that's that's what I see as being the difference in this game is the trenches are probably a wash. And I can see Notre Dame dominating one side or the other in the trenches. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if you told me tomorrow that Notre Dame's going to run for 250, I, I I would believe you. I mean, that's that's not surprising given just the skill that you guys have in the trenches. But that outside game is just where I think that that Alabama has a huge advantage at this point. Uh, I mean, Notre Dame is very good throwing the ball, but are they going to throw it enough? And even when they do, are they going to be able to keep up with a Devontae Smith and a Mac Jones and, you know, that crew? Yeah, that's that's perfectly said, and I think everybody listening would agree with that. Um, you know, we're on the topic of kind of, Notre Dame, Alabama. So I'll I'll rerun something I said earlier in the previous section um, when I said that if you said three weeks ago that Notre Dame was going to play Alabama, you know, before the Clemson game, if you just said at some point Notre Dame and Alabama are going to play each other, I think there would be a lot of positivity around Notre Dame, especially within the fan base. I think that line would be like maybe six. I think even you guys, and correct me if I'm wrong, would say that Notre Dame is kind of the nightmare matchup as 
far as one can exist, given how balanced we are. And that one game against Clemson has just completely demoralized everybody, and the narrative has become, well, Alabama's going to steamroll us, which they very well could. How how did you see Notre Dame prior to that game, and, and has that changed your opinion of Notre Dame now? Um, so I, I don't think that I was ever quite as high on Notre Dame as some people were, and I don't think that I'm as low on them now as some people are. Um, I've always kind of thought that, that Alabama was, was a team that would beat them by, you know, one score, two scores, which the line right now, I think I last looked, it was like 19 and a half. I think that that's crazy. I mean, maybe it's that, but I, I would be, I would be thinking that, you know, if they won by seven, that's much more likely than them winning by 20. So, you know, all along, even when they beat Clemson, I was thinking to myself, okay, you know, this is this is Notre Dame's best game. And if they play their best game, they can absolutely beat Alabama, without a doubt. But what are the odds of Notre Dame happening to play their best game on that day? And I think that what a lot of people saw with the Clemson game is that, you know, sometimes they're not going to. And not every team is going to play their best game on on any given day. But when you don't play your best game on that day, you know, what are you? And so I think that that's kind of what drug a lot of people down this past week is, okay, Notre Dame didn't play their best game, but not only was it not their best game, it was, it was pretty rough. And so, you know, are, are you going to get that Notre Dame or are you going to get the one that beat Clemson? And I think that you just don't know. Um, so can they beat Alabama? Sure. Um, can Alabama blow them out? Sure. But I, I think that the most likely scenario is you end up with a game that's a seven point game or a 10 point game, something like that. Steve, do you have anything you want to say before you completely space out? I did. Uh, so thank you. I just didn't want to interject. This is not my time. This is his. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> just wanted to just the last two questions and the last two points you've made have been great. And I think this, this question will kind of tie it all together because I think it, it shows a, a contrast between your program operating at the highest level, literally, compared to ours, which is still very, very good, but just trying to get there. Uh, so do you ever find yourself midway through the first or the second uh, or even deeper into the game? Do you ever find yourself frustrated with the play calling or the game plan in general? Or do you feel like there's always a quick adaptability there? Um, across all sports, I am a, a quick panicker and a pessimist. So, uh, deep down, do I know that, that Nick Saban and Sark and, and those guys are always going to figure it out? Yes. But in the first quarter or second quarter of every single game, I'm texting my buddies, this is it, pack it up. Sark ran the ball three plays in a row. You know, we're, we're getting beat by 15. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty quick to, to say that, that, you know, Alabama's going to lose and everything's going to go wrong and, and just start, you know, sky is falling or the SpongeBob clip where he's running around putting out all the fires and the filing <laughs> cabinets. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I, deep down, you obviously have to trust that Nick is going to do the right thing. I think it's just, it's been proven enough times that he's going to figure it out. 
I mean, are they going to lose some games? Sure. But more often than not, he's going to figure something out and things aren't just going to go all wrong. But I mean, in the moment, you know, you're, you're still a fan, right? So as soon as something goes wrong, it's like, oh my God, here we go. The train's coming off the tracks and, and this is it for us. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I can relate to that. I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that. Um, I, I wanted to ask you something regarding the matchup we're about to have here, of course, in, in a few days. When Notre Dame played Clemson the first time, we had said cause that the ND Analytics guys were, were on our podcast, and we said, is it possible that Clemson gets tricked into the mindset that they need to establish the run because Trevor wasn't there? And it would lead to them basically slowing down their offense and allowing Notre Dame to get enough stops to to win the game. Do you think Alabama might try to commit to the run even if it's not working? Because Notre Dame's defensive group, with the exception of the last game, has been probably the best in college football at stopping the run. Do you think Alabama might try to commit to that? Or if they're not if they're seeing that's not working, are they gonna go straight to the to the air? Um so something that always frustrated me with with Lane Kiffin, and, and I mentioned this because Lane and Sark were were co-offensive coordinators, you know, a while back. They've coached together a number of times, but something that they have in common um, is they typically come out of the gates doing a lot of either side to side, run the defense sideline to sideline stuff, or run heavy before they go to the pass. Um, I don't know why they do it. Uh, they're, they're obviously, you know, much savvier football minds than I am. So I'm sure there's something to it, but it, it is frustrating to watch every week, every week in the first quarter, I'm out there tweeting, let Matt cook. What are they doing? Sark's off his rocker. Um, and, and so, you know, I think that that's something that we may see. Um, and if, if you haven't watched Alabama a lot, you'll, you'll probably think, oh man, they're, they're just going to run the ball. They're going to keep running it. This is what they're going to do. But after like a series or sometimes two series, all of a sudden it just becomes let Matt cook. It's just pass, pass, pass deep, deep. And, and that's what it is. So I can definitely see them coming out and going run heavy. Those first couple of series, I don't know the the thought process or the methodology behind it, but I would be very surprised to see them do more than that. Um, I think that they're going to go pass heavy pretty quickly. And a big reason behind that is, Notre Dame is great in the trenches. You know, I, they're not going to be able to run all over Notre Dame like they have in the past. That's just not going to happen. So they're going to spread the field because they just have more talent at the skill positions than Notre Dame does. Yeah, and that's that. I would say that's your strength and our weakness is unfortunately matched, which is your, you know, your wide receivers and passing game and and our secondary. Um, with the exception of Kyle Hamilton, who I do think is the best safety in college football. The rest of them are very, very suspect, and you can get at us there. But I, I've seen a handful of Alabama games this year, and I would say that you guys are probably the best in college football with Clemson. I think we're probably going to see that in the final, and that could be a good game. Um, but I would, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would say that you have shown at times this year the the ability to lose not that you've ever really come close but you can get at alabama and when i'm thinking i'm thinking the old miss game i'm thinking uh the basically the first half of the georgia game was a little bit of a struggle for you um we've seen that florida could 
catch up to you. Do you see any major flaws with your team? And that kind of relates to a fan question we had. Is there a matchup where you could be exposed in the, in the game on Friday? Um, I think that it's going to come down to Notre Dame's ability to pass the ball. I mean, Alabama has scored 35 points for, I think it's 25 consecutive games now. And the, the all-time college football record prior to that streak was like 16 games. I mean, they're just, they're going to score. They just have too much talent. There's too much speed. Sark is too good. Like Alabama's going to score points. And Notre Dame's opportunity to win is to let their pass game go off. I mean, they have a good quarterback. They have good skill players. And so, you know, if, if they're going to win, that's how it's got to be. Because Alabama, their defense is, is susceptible to that. I mean, we saw that in the Florida game. We've seen that in the Ole Miss games. We've seen it a couple times. And so that's what it has to be. It's, if Alabama loses, it's going to be a boat race. I think um, I think that's kind of echoing what we said earlier in the show where Steve coined the term and I kind of was thinking it too. The magic number for Notre Dame is 40. I think we need to score at least 40 to beat you because I think this is the best defense and the best team you're going to play so far this season. But even if it is the best defense you're going to play all year, you're still going to score near 40. And, uh, and I think we're just going to have to almost score in every possession like we did against Clemson the first game. And it's going to be very similar. Do you, do you kind of agree in that assessment or, or do you see things a little different? Um, I, I think it's true for the most part. I mean, look against, against Georgia, they scored 41 and that's the best defense they've seen up to this point. And, and Georgia's obviously been up and down, but I mean, they still scored 41 points. I'm, I'm looking through, looking through the games right now. And 41 is the fewest amount of points that they've scored since the first game of the season when they scored 38. So, uh, yeah, I mean, even if Notre Dame shows up and shows out and is the best defense they've played this season, I still think that realistically they're going to score 31, 35, 38 points. And it's possible that that they score more than that. So I think that your magic number is close. I think that if they're going to win, they're going to have to score 40 to 45 points. Yeah, I guess to me it basically sounds like, given that everything that we've spoken about, uh, the the margin for error for Notre Dame seems to be practically zero. Uh, you know, you you said that they you know sometimes you play your worst game, sometimes you play your best game, and uh, you know earlier in the season against Clemson we played the best, and l- later on not so much. So I, I basically they have to play their best game <coughs> yet again, and. Uh, I mean, it's it's definitely against a worthwhile opponent, and that's that's the analysis that I would have. Now, do you see in in on your end uh, that there would be any sort of issue with Mac being able to have enough time to get the ball deep into the secondary against Notre Dame's pass rush, or do you feel confident in the offensive line to protect him? Um, it, less less the offensive line and more Sarkeesian. I trust Sarkeesian to to work around that, and I trust Mac Jones to to make the decisions that are going to put the team in the best place to win. You know, um, when Alabama got blown out by Clemson in that national championship game, 
what they did was they basically just took away the deep ball and said, all right, Tua, if you're going to beat us, it's going to be on short passes all night. Just dump it off, dump it off, dump it off, and let the guys run. And, you know, Tua, at his age, just didn't have the maturity to do that. He kept forcing the deep ball and forcing the deep ball, and things went awry. Mac Jones has shown, you know, across a couple of games this season that if teams are going to take away the deep ball, he doesn't care about spending the entire game dumping it off and letting his guys run. He knows that that Devontae Smith is probably the fastest guy on the field. He knows that John Mechie is going to go get yards after the catch. He knows that Najee Harris is going to stiff arm and run through people. So, you know, even if the deep ball is taken away, he has the maturity and Sark, you know, has the the wherewithal to basically just, just condense and say, look, if they're going to give us five, 10 yards at a time, we will out athlete them and just let our guys run. Well, that doesn't make me Where feel good at you... all. <laughs> <laughs> where do you, Vegas, where do you rate this Alabama team compared to, you know, the last decade of Saban teams? Um, I think that this is one of the better ones. I mean, there have been teams that have had better defenses. There have been teams that have had more talented quarterbacks, but you know, with this offense being as explosive as it is, it's just hard to to see anybody else really really comparing with them from from you know an Alabama standpoint. The Tua teams were great, but I don't know that they ever had quite as much talent offensively. Um, you know, the teams before that were were a little up and down. They had a year you know where they missed the playoffs. They had a year where Ohio State beat them, and so. I mean, obviously they've had really good teams, but those those teams were different. And I think that with this team's level of explosiveness on offense, um, it, it's definitely one of the better teams. And they may not be the best team with with Jalen Waddle out, but if he was around, I, I think that there's a pretty good argument that this is the best team because you know, we came into the season with Jalen Waddle being projected as as like a top ten draft pick, top ten, top fifteen, depending on where you looked. And so, you know, they're doing all of this, putting up 40, 50, 60 points every single game, missing, you know, a wide receiver that's that's considered a, a top half of the first round guy. So this team is is unbelievable. And, you know, I, I can't imagine what it would be with a guy like Jalen Waddle on the field. So I have an, another question out of all your national championships you've won in your recent memory, if you can even remember them all, by the way, that's how spoiled you guys have been. Which one has meant the most to you? Which was the best one? The first Clemson one. Um, really? That first, Yeah, that first Clemson title just has, like, multiple plays that if I had to, to pick five plays that were, like, my favorite Alabama plays of all time, it's got a couple of them just with – the surprise onside kick that went to to Marlon Humphrey, you know, who's now a, a pro bowler, all pro on the Ravens. Um, Kenyon Drake taking the kickoff return back for a touchdown. I mean, there were just, there were so many plays in that game that you just don't normally see. Right. I mean, the other national championship games didn't have kick returns for touchdowns. They didn't have surprise onside kicks. I mean, it's just, those are the things that stick with you. Right. I mean, there, there are lots of plays that are, long touchdowns that are really cool or big time stops, but those plays that 
you're you're really really caught off by caught off guard by are are i think the ones that stick with you the most and so that game just having some of those wild and crazy plays um that's that's what's really stuck with me and and just knowing that deshaun watson was what he was at the time i mean he's he's unbelievable now and a lot of people didn't think so but i remember watching that game thinking look if this guy's doing this to alabama i mean he is what they say he is and so you know them being able to win that game with him putting up god i don't know what it was 450 yards was was really cool notre dame held him to 22 points that same year granted we had the help of a hurricane um <laughs> but uh so i i thought you were going to say maybe the georgia game just because of the overtime um my favorite title game in recent memory was actually the one clemson won against you guys but here here's another fun one you have to return one of your national championships which one are you returning um <sighs> You know, it's it's hard to say the Texas one because it's the first one. But with that game going the way that it did, just so strangely, Colt McCoy getting hurt. When I think what was the opening series and then Alabama going up big and Texas kind of coming back and just the, the, the whole flow and vibe of that game was very weird. And so you hate to say that because that's the first one. That's the one that started it all. But. I I feel like the other ones the other ones just stick with me more than that just because the flow of that game was so different. So I mean the LSU championship was about, you know, revenge and the Notre Dame championship was, you know, we're beating Notre Dame, it's a blowout, the Georgia championship with the comeback, beating Deshaun Watson. I mean I feel like if you if you take away the fact that the Texas one was the first one, I think that that's the one that that probably has to go. Hey, I, I forgot you even won that one. That's how spoiled you've been. Um, I, I tell you what, we hate Alabama not because you're awful or anything. It's just obviously with all the success, and it, it's kind of a threat to Notre Dame. So obviously Notre Dame's a very historic school. I've done the calculations. We're still top all time. But Alabama is obviously a major threat to that, right? You guys, the more you win, the more kind of this idea of Notre Dame as the Yankees kind of fades away a bit. Um, so this game means a lot to us. For the for that reason, obviously, to kind of protect our own legacy here. With that being said, we need to talk about <laughs> 1973. <laughs> you see, I don't know if you know this or how you know the the Alabama title claim fiasco, but Notre Dame and Alabama played in the Sugar Bowl that year, one versus two. Notre Dame wins. Notre Dame's basically de facto national champion, but Alabama still claims it, and. I just, on behalf of all Notre Dame fans, I'm just issuing this warning now. If you don't cease and desist to claim that one, we are going to start claiming 2012 because one pollster said we were still champion. <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's part of the fun of, of sports history, right? Is whether it's college or the pros, uh, you look at just, just poll chaos. And, and I mean, if you look back at, at like... NFL MVP awards. I mean, it's just there were there used to be like ten publications that handed out the MVP. So old MVPs, you get like three or four guys in the same season that were all the MVP, and 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 title claims are are kind of the same way, right? I mean, Alabama has a couple that are suspect claims, 
they also haven't claimed a couple that they probably could. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's fun, right? I think that that, that mass chaos in history is, is, is a good time just looking back. And, you know, we have a, a system now that kind of eliminates that unless you're, unless you're UCF, but yeah, I, <laughs> I think that, I mean, even the BCS had some scandals between USC the one year and Oklahoma State being upset that they got left out in 2011. And yeah. so it's just, it's it's this chaotic system. And I mean, my brothers are, are like 18, 19 now, and they look around and they're like, what do you mean? It just used to be like this. And I'm like, yeah, like they, right. there was no playoff. It was pretty much just like, who are the top two? I don't know. Just put them together. Let them play. Maybe they'll figure it out. Maybe the third team was the best, whatever. And so, yeah, it's it's fun to look back and, and to think about that. But, yeah, I, I think that the, the main point is, you know, we have the title. You guys don't. That's that's tough. <laughs> well, I agree. It's a, it's a good system we have in place now. But the problem is, is we have so many uh historical claims that are there's no standard for it right everybody just kind of claims what they want and uh and like you said there's some you could have claimed and if you count all of the ones alabama can and has claimed and could claim you're at 21 i'm sure you're familiar with with that number in your fan base you claim 17 you can claim 21 notre dame claims 11 but if you if you do the same thing you take all the unclaimed and claimed by all recognized pollsters notre dame's at 22 so we're really, really nervous about this year because you look like you're going to catch up and and that scares the, the shit out of us. <laughs> uh, either way, 22 is a lot. And, you know, Alabama still has some catching up to do in terms of stuff like Heisman winners. So hopefully we add one more this year. But, uh, you know, with with zero Heisman winners before the Saban era, that, um, there's still a lot of three out of five chance. You have three yeah. out of five, I think, to, to win Heisman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this has been great, Vegas. I'm you know, so happy you've been able to give us your time and, and talk about Alabama. Uh, do you want to give us a game prediction and maybe just talk about how you think the game's going to go and uh, and then we'll sign off? <clears throat> sure. Um, I think, like I said, Alabama may come out a little bit slow, but ultimately they're going to score. They're going to put points on the board. Um. I think that Notre Dame is, I think that they're going to have success offensively, but I don't think that the coaching staff is going to let them air it out enough to win the boat race. I I think that we're all going to be sitting back looking at it going, damn, you know, they had a chance. And so in the end, something like, I don't know, 38 or 42 for Alabama and more like, 31 or 35 for Notre Dame. You know, I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be close enough, but I just don't think that the coaching staff is going to, is going to give them enough of an opportunity. And it, the coaching staff's great. I mean, they are, they're one of the best in the nation, but I think that, you know, they, they've shown that they like to run the ball. And I think that that's going to get in the way. Vegas. I think we've just become best friends earlier in the segment. We did our score predictions. P-Wagon and Steve picked Notre Dame to win, of course, because they're homers. I picked <laughs> Alabama to win, and I shit you not, 42-31. to 31. I see the game going the exact same way you do. I think we'll have success, but I think ultimately it is in our nature to run the ball too much, not let Book cook, and that's going to be the difference in the game. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's exactly what it's going to be. 
Well, I guess with that, you know, being said, thank you for coming on the show, man. Do you want to plug your Twitter account or anything else you're you're working on? Uh, yeah, sure. So I I tweet about college football, pro football, general nonsense, movies, horror movies, all that shit. Um, it's Viva La Vega, which is just Viva Las Vegas with out the S's and a bunch of A's. You guys will will put it in the the podcast or the tweet or whatever. It's too much to spell out. But yeah, if <laughs> if you guys are, are into general nonsense, um, that's me. But thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Awesome, man. We really appreciate it. You, you're totally counter to what the stereotypical Alabama fan is. So I think our <laughs> listeners have seen that you guys are that you've humanized your own fan base. You know, they're going to say, oh, these guys are just people, too. Um, so, yeah, from all of us here at the Four Horsemen, uh, Steve P. Wagon, you know, Vegas for coming on and myself. It's Rose Bowl season. It's the college football semifinal. Try to get excited because who knows what could happen. And uh, with that being said, go Irish. Go Roll Irish. Tide.